Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You're listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest in sports betting from KC Sports Network. Featuring Benny and the Bets, hosted by local media personality and betting aficionado, Benny Heisler. Let's get to the show. What's good, everybody? Welcome in to Benny and the Bets. We are at the midway point of the Major League Baseball season. Can't think of a better guest to bring on to join us to get ready for the second half of the season than the prop queen herself, Ariel Epstein. She's a fantastic follow. You should be following her across all the different platforms at Ariel Epstein. You can also find her work over at MLB Network as well as NBA Network and on PointsBet. What's good, Ariel? It's uh, always great to to not only be able to follow your work and talk to you, but uh, now to finally have you on the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, Ben. It's been a long time coming. Long time coming for sure. We have plenty of baseball to do to be able to dive into, but uh, our two teams played actually to end the first half of the season. I'm a Cub fan. You're a Yankee fan. I felt like there was a good opportunity there that the Yankees kind of just let slip away. And I'm starting to wonder purely from a fan perspective, if you have a little bit of concerns going into the second half of the season, are they going to do what they always do? Find a way to at least get into the playoffs. And then as we both know, anything can happen. I'm concerned for the Yankees without their slugger, Aaron judge judge brought this team to a few different wins. He hits home runs and nobody at least none of the veteran Yankees are really producing. You look at Donaldson, Stanton, LeMahieu, all hitting below 200. Yankees just fired their hitting coach. First time they've fired a coach in the middle of a season under their GM, Brian Cashman. The Yankees know that they're in trouble without Judge. In fact, I've said there's value on the Yankees to miss the playoffs in plus money still, considering I saw that line move from the Yankees to make the playoffs at around minus 300 to now only around minus 150 for the Yanks to make it. It's moving in the wrong direction. The Yankees didn't even have a good end of the year last year, despite Aaron Judge's historic run at chasing the AL record for most home runs ever hit. Yankees still didn't play as well as they did going into the All-Star break. Yankees pitching is a concern. Not sure how healthy Rodon stays. Not sure how healthy Cortez stays. At some point, this Yankees bullpen isn't going to be able to hold on as it has all year. Instead of the Yankees winning or losing these close games, three to two, two to nothing, they might start losing these games seven to two. And that's when you're really going to see the Yankees run office start to panic. Yeah. I, and I think it's important that you mentioned that the hitting has been inconsistent. Getting Carlos Rodon back is going to be 
a huge boost, right? But even after that, if I, I'm seeing it with the Cubs right now, it's a it's a positive plus run differential team that hasn't really gotten it going offensively when they've needed to. And then when the bullpen does break down, like we saw on Sunday for the Yankees, it, you don't feel enough confidence in the offense to be able to get it going. So right now, if you're looking at fan graphs, uh, Yankees going into the second half, they're 49, 42. Um, <laughs> they're basically a coin flip to even clinch a wild card spot, maybe 55% to make the playoffs, but I, I'm with you. I think plus money for a team that's really a bit inconsistent right now is probably the way to go. Before we talk baseball, I, I'm curious about your story in general, because I remember hearing about your work several years ago, and then things really started to take off. Obviously a major sports fan, but but where did the betting component really kind of latch on for you? And where did you realize that this was something that not only did you have a lot of interest in, but you could be pretty good at it as well? I always loved fantasy sports my entire life. However, by the time that I was getting into the professional media world, it was very oversaturated with fantasy talent. I was in local news for about three years, left North Carolina in 2019, completely unemployed, didn't know what to do. I went to CBS Sports HQ, met with, at the time, one of their executives, Kieran Portley, and he had me read off a graphic on like a mock audition. He had me read off a graphic and it had a money line on it. And I thought to myself, oh, sports betting. That's something that hasn't really blown up yet. Again, this is 2019, about a year and a half after PASPA was repealed, allowing for you to have all this gambling like FanDuel and DraftKings in the states outside Vegas. And I didn't know enough to be as sharp as someone like my best friend, Kelly. Um, but I, I needed a way to stand out differently than everybody else because everyone out in Vegas was already doing this for so many years. How is someone like me at 25 years old at the time going to compete with people who have been doing this for 30, 40 years? That's when I discovered the props market because I was good at fantasy. I always won fantasy leagues my whole life. Going into the fantasy market was like going into the props market. Um, I've gotten in trouble for saying this before, but I say it's like the gateway to betting. And people ended up following me because no one else was doing props yet except for maybe like Nick Costos. Um, and the two of us just kept like giving out props because it was more of an East Coast thing. Vegas doesn't do props still really to this day, aside for a very small menu. Embracing the prop side was where the prop queen nickname came in. And it was really what helped set me apart from everybody else in the betting world, because even the sharpest of sharps weren't touching the market. I think that's really good advice because as more and more betting content is starting to come up and pop all over the place, Finding your edge is certainly important. And when I say edge, I don't necessarily mean where you have a distinct betting advantage, but what are you doing that's different? What are you doing that's going to appeal to an audience that they haven't seen before? And as more and more content has started to become available, I, I think one of the things both you and Kelly, who I know a lot of our, our K-State viewers over at KCSN are very familiar uh, with Kelly in Vegas's work, especially with her connection uh, to Iman Nation, is... There is something that has to be said about finding a way to make betting open and inclusive and inviting. And that's really the goal of this show, but finding it with sort of a more local edge connected back to Kansas City. I thought with the prop market, you invited a lot of people in and made it so this concept of betting, which can be 
overwhelming to a lot of people. It was really something that you looked at as fun, as entertainment, and something that people could really rally around as opposed to trying to beat somebody else. And I thought that was a really important distinction. It's a lot of fun to point out that in fantasy, and don't get me wrong, I'm not bashing fantasy, but fantasy felt like a nine-leg parlay. Every day, football, <laughs> baseball, it was like a nine-leg parlay. You had to hit eight out of nine legs, if not nine out of nine legs, in order to make money. And even if you did that, sometimes in these DFS contests, you were only making 20 bucks. If you bet against the book, you could go eight for nine in props, don't parlay them, eight for nine in individual props, then you're profitable if you have that good of a day. I try all the time too, and I think unfortunately with the way our business has gone is that we have been trying to teach people how to bet in like dumb ways. A lot of the times you get associated with sports books and they tell you, hey, like give out like a five-leg parlay for us to boost on our sports book. And I just have been like a huge proponent of like, you know, actually make smart bets. I don't lay more than minus 150. I really don't even lay minus 150. I do like minus 148 maximum. Um, and that to me, I have a whole system of all different props for every different sport of how I handicap them all. And I don't rely on any other, um, I don't rely on any other websites really. I do them all on my own. I do my own research. I go game by game by game. I don't like to rely on these like overall averages. It's all about matchups. And every bet that you make in the props market, it is all about matchups. That's the biggest mistake people make when they're a new better. They are looking at just, what have you done for me lately? No, no, no. It's not about what you've done for me lately. It's what have you done against teams similar to those defenses? That's, I think, the biggest push that we have to make to help people get better. All right. So let's let's go through that process a little bit without giving out the, the secret sauce. Um, let, let's say you're going through a Friday night slate and you're trying to determine where the value is on the board for a couple different props. Take us through what you're looking for, what sites you like to visit, um, where you like to typically cross compare different odds to be able to find the best value. What, what does that day in that process look like for you? Do you want to go through just baseball for now? or you want yeah, to talk? yeah, we can just do baseball for now. Okay. Well, hopefully, if this goes well, we will bring you back on for, for a little basketball, a little bit of football and, uh, and revisit this. But yeah, for baseball for now. Okay, so for baseball, I start with the strikeout props. It's really what helped branch me into the prop world is my strikeout props back in pandemic time when baseball came back really got hot, um, 2019, 2020. So what I start with is I look at, first off, my friend Matt and I created a spreadsheet that is like the most amazing thing ever because websites like Fangraphs give you a lot of stats for how lineups do against full pitching staffs. They don't like lefties, righties, et cetera. They don't just break you down into just the starters and what those starters did with their strikeout props. I don't care about the bullpen. I'm looking at a strikeout prop for a starting pitcher. What have those lineups done those first three to four times through the lineup against these starting pitchers? I compare lefty-righty splits. I do home-road splits. I look at how the how that pitcher does in home games, road games, et cetera. Um, and then I look at high and low K rate lineups. If you have a high K rate, how much has that sh pitcher struck out high K rate teams? If you have a low K rate, how little has that pitcher struck out those low K rate teams? And a lot of the times for the three, four, and five pitchers, you can find a lot of those edges. Not so much one and two. I literally will, if I see Shohei Otani, Garrett Cole, before his uh, surgery, before getting Tommy John, Jacob DeGrom, like, any of those number ones, 
I stay away from on the board because you're always going to get an inflated number on them. Yeah, there's a chance they could go over. Yeah, I have made dumb mistakes like betting unders on Spencer Strider strikeout props. I will never do that again. <laughs> there are pitchers to stay away from. Spencer Strider, Hunter Green, don't Mackenzie Gore. Don't bet against those guys. Garrett Cole, you just those don't work for them. Pitchers like you Darvish, it works for. Pitchers like, um, I'm trying to think of some other big names that I could fade. I'm talking about fading pitchers, but there are some pitchers that against low carry teams, they just don't really have a lot of success, at least with swing and miss. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. I think that's a really good place to start. And you mentioned that that Fangraphs can specify up to a certain extent. You can go through baseball reference as well, baseball savant, uh, for anybody that that's new into the world of trying to figure out where you can find some of these specific numbers and specific edges are all really good places to start. But then it's finding your own process and making sure that you feel good about the matchup, looking at the strikeout rate, for example. Um, And and also, I I think, trying to make a, a determination on um situations right whether or not it's going to be a situation that's going to be very hitter friendly the games in chicago for example if the wind is blowing out you might have a really good strikeout rate but if you get pounded for a couple of home runs maybe you don't last into that game as long as you should conversely if the wind is blowing in you might want to consider the overrun strikeouts as long as the weather is setting up weather is a big part of, of trying to determine a lot of baseball props as well so let's dive into the market ahead of the second half um, we just had Eric Kratz on, former Yankees catcher, former Royals catcher. Uh, he's got a book coming out this week, The Tao of the Backup Catcher. And uh, we were talking about some of the teams that we were looking at that have the ability to make a second half run. Uh, you know, Teams like Milwaukee in a really bad division at plus 5,500 that right now their run differential is not on the negative side, but they have enough pitching pieces to be able to make some damage if they get into the postseason. A team like Miami in a very similar spot, they can beat you when it comes to individual pitching matchups and a rock-solid bullpen. The issue typically becomes whether or not they have enough lineup success to be able to sustain for a playoff run, let alone get in. Who are some teams that you're looking at that either can make a bit of a run in the second half, um, that might have some value for teams that really struggled in the first half uh, that you're looking at and say, okay, in the futures market, I, I feel like this could be a good bet now as opposed to when the market finally starts to catch up with them. The first is for just winning a division. The Houston Astros, you can't sleep on them. Plus 105 in most markets, if not even longer, to win the AL West. Yes, the Rangers are probably going to go make a push for some kind of starting pitching. The crazy part is that Houston, their pitching is the most damaging part right now on paper injury-wise, yet their pitching hasn't been the problem. It's been their lineup, which essentially is the same lineup that won them a World Series last year. Every pitcher who I've, or every player at MLB Network who I've spoken to that has won a World Series says, this is so normal for any World Series team, for this lineup, 
to not be looking as sharp as it once did. They are only two games back, Houston, of the Rangers. They have the playoff experience, whereas Texas has really just had success for the first time this year in a while. I know their lineup's great. I'm just saying that based on every other division I look at with the odds, I refuse to bet against the Dodgers because the Dodgers have been the one team that has not constantly been in first place this year that the book refuses to lay off of. The book has continued to make the Dodgers minus 165 or higher. And the Braves are minus 5,000. I'm not touching the Central because I think they're all losers. That's (laughs) both divisions. And the Rays, I mean, I'm already sitting. The reason I can't give out the Orioles, one, they're the biggest liability for every sports book right now to win the division. And two, I'm already sitting on the Orioles at plus 360 to make the playoffs. I gave it out preseason on my on my points bet um, podcast basis juiced. I'm not taking anything else Orioles. Plus 360 is the best value I was going to get. Now you're not getting a great number on them. Um, so I would say that the value right now in the futures market for division races has to go to the Houston Astros at plus 105. I know that I got a Fergie Jenkins jersey sitting behind me, so I'm going to sound like a total homer here, but... Do you look at a team like Chicago at 42 and 47, the only plus run differential team in the central and say, they got a chance. You know, you mentioned plus 850 points bet, plus 850 DraftKings. Uh, if you shop around, you can still find them plus 900 just to be able to make the playoffs right now. Are they, are they a team that's dead and buried to you? I know you don't want to touch a lot of these central teams, but maybe of all the teams from a value standpoint, they might have just enough life left because of their pitching. So I just looked at what I bet on the Cubs and preseason, I had the Cubs over 76 and a half wins at minus 128. That's what I'm going to talk. That's what I'm going to ride. However, what I find fishy about the NL Central is the Brewers have been another team that you would think at this point with the way that the Reds have been playing and the way that the Pirates have been playing, that they would have moved off of the Brewers at some point to win this division. Yet the books aren't. The Brewers have stayed the favorite. They're all the Pirates through all the Reds runs. They have been completely the favorite still. And that's because the Brewers have the better rotation. I don't trust any of the other rotations in that NL Central. Don't trust the Reds. They're really young and they're a lot of fun to watch. But they're fun because their lineup's fun and their pitching is really young. The Pirates don't trust their rotation. Cardinals don't trust them. Cubs, it's really their lineup and they need Dansby Swanson healthy. So when I'm looking at the Brewers' depth chart, and I see that you have Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Wade Miley, Julio Tehran, Colin Ray, and you have a pitcher who, yes, he's on the IL, and Brandon Woodruff, 60-day IL, just threw 25 pitches in a bullpen session, no issue, scheduled for another one on Thursday. Hey, if you get Woodruff back in August, I would be a little too scared to go and bet against the Milwaukee Brewers with that one-two punch of Burns, Woodruff, and the way that the other three or four pitchers are pitching. Yeah, it's part of the reason why if you can still find them at plus 5,500 to to go ahead and get into the World Series, I think they have the best path, like you said, Ariel, to, to I win. I would have been a year behind. I hated them last year because I had them at 8-1 to one to win the NL. It was my one of my biggest futures bets was the Brewers to win the National League. And then they end up trading away their closer. And that just irritated me. But I was looking to see because there's definitely some live win totals. And your Chicago Cubs are at 78 and a half, which makes me feel good for betting an over 76 and a half. So it's showing us that if that was the number preseason, then despite the Cubs' recent struggles, what you're talking about with their run differential 
means that the sports books are looking at them like, hey, they do have a chance to still be a bit better in the second half. No doubt. I, one other point from the NL Central, and that's Ellie De La Cruz, who has uh, really started to take baseball by storm. It's always fun to be able to see somebody really just pop from the very beginning. Uh, we saw it with Shohei several years ago. We saw it with Javier Baez from a few years ago. Even Bobby Wood Jr. coming in here in Kansas City, making a splash uh, in his rookie year, making an impact both at shortstop and at third base. It was terrific defense and a really strong bat. What De La Cruz has done since being called up has corresponded with the Reds playing their best baseball in years. At the same time, you have Corbin Carroll, who's one of two uh, players that are starting the All-Star game as a rookie. The last time you had two rookies start the All-Star game was back in 2008. Is there any chance that the way that De La Cruz has taken the sport by storm, that you consider him for an NL Rookie of the Year bet at around plus 300 knowing that Carroll has put away above and beyond better numbers over the course of the entire year, but one injury, that's all it takes. And then Cruz, if he's able to keep this trajectory going, is right up there and the number completely changes. That's the one caveat is injury. You have to make this bet hoping that Corbin Carroll gets hurt. And that's just something so sadistic. And the one thing I hate about this industry, because I don't ever want to promote that. Three to one's not even great value on L.A. De La Cruz. With the way that Corbin Carroll's been playing all year, and if he continues to stay healthy and he plays it out through October 1st, the Diamondbacks make the playoffs, Corbin Carroll wins this award. Ellie De La Cruz has been so much fun to watch. If he came up in May, yeah, we could be talking about it, but it was June, and I just, it's not enough time when you have a player who's been playing consistently as well as Corbin Carroll, stealing bases hitting the ball well on a playoff team. The Reds by August may not be in the playoff mix. Maybe this run kind of cools down because their pitching's not good enough. Then you're not going to be talking about this. We're talking about it because the Reds are in first place and Ellie De La Cruz is so fun. Timing is everything on these awards. And when you have a player like Corbin Carroll being so consistent, I can't sit here and tell you he's going to be bad. I'm just saying the only way that you're going to win this award with Ellie De La Cruz is if Corbin Carroll gets hurt like we almost saw him pull his shoulder again for the second time this year last week then maybe if he misses a month or two and now you're comparing games yeah then it's something that the two but to me at three to one it's just not enough value to put some action on Ellie De La Cruz I know we only have a couple of minutes left and uh, always appreciate your time and your insights. Always fun to be able to have these conversations with you. As far as the rest of the awards as we head into the second half any in particular catch your eye? The rest of the awards. So I'm really bad at looking at these because they're not like technically legal in New York. So they never really pop up on my page. Um, but I would have to go and look. I'm sorry. I know that you told me to look this up. And I, no, I well, are I, there I, any I that are along the way? I got some of these numbers up. So is there anybody that maybe you're thinking to yourself, okay, take, um, Take NL MVP, for example. Like, okay. is it is it completely Acuna at this point? Or does somebody like Mookie have a chance to be able to make a run? Um, you know, Freddie Freeman, his former teammate in Atlanta. Uh, if we're looking at the Cy Young race, is it Strider in the National League? Or, or maybe there's a chance that Kershaw sneaks in or it's Zach Allen. Uh, maybe some of those types of names that you've been thinking to yourself, it kind of seems like the market is a little bit low on maybe one of these guys. Yeah, I was mentioning, um, I'm going to pull up the odds now too, but I was mentioning about a week or two ago before uh, Clayton Kershaw, I think, had to skip a start. But 
Clayton Kershaw stood out to me for National League Cy Young because the Dodgers are really in need of him to be successful. The Dodgers have had a ton of injuries to their starting rotation, and Clayton Kershaw is up there, top five in strikeouts right now in the National League. He's up there in ERA. And I just felt like Clayton Kershaw to win Cy Young at the time, which was 6-1 to one about a week or two ago, was still a pretty good bet. Now you're getting him at 3-1, to one, which eh, like I think you could probably get him at better odds later on. I also was always mentioning um, throughout this season how Luis Arise at 33-1 to one to win National League MVP is still somewhere that you should look because although Ronald Acuna Jr. has been incredible, although that he has been stealing bases, he has the second best average in the National League, if Luis Arise does hit 400 come October 1st, even if he hits 408, you're talking about something similar to what Aaron Judge did last year to surpass Shohei Otani for AL MVP. Right. He made history. The last time that we saw someone hit 406 for a season was Ted Williams. He didn't even win the MVP that year because Joe DiMaggio won it because he was a World Series champ. You've got to essentially win a World Series then. But now, if you're going to make history for the first time since Ted Williams, if Arise hits above 406, he has to be MVP the same way Judge had to be for breaking the AL home run record. So 33 to 1 is a really good bet if you're willing to look for Arise to make history. Yeah, I, I think Arise is very interesting at 33 to 1. I also think maybe somebody like Blake Snell, who has been terrific over the last several weeks, somebody that uh, I think I might have a futures thing. I have to double check. Um, at him at 50 to 1 to start the year. Right now, he's anywhere between 6 to 1 and 8.5 and and to 1. If you buy into somebody who can be good in the second half, and that's been his MO when he's been healthy, yeah. and if the Padres are able to finally put it all together, you know that the talent is there. Uh, maybe that's another name a little bit later on that you can go outside of the traditional guys over at the top of the list. But one question that I was curious to, to ask you about is that with this opportunity that's come for you over the last several years, it's been well-earned and well-deserved, is – you know, you make a name for yourself through these different plays across social media. You build a network, you build a following. What would be the, the most unusual place that maybe you got recognized as the prop queen or any sort of fun interactions of now being a name and a face in the sports betting industry that you just weren't prepared for at that point? I love this question because there is one story that really stands out to me. It happened last summer. I was at Yankee Stadium in the bleachers going to the bar in the outfield, in left field. I walk up to the bar, and I look young for my age, so I always get ID'd. My friends never get ID'd. I always get ID'd. It's so <laughs> annoying. Go up, I ask for a like sel a seltzer, um, and the guy goes, ID. So I was like, all right, whatever. Here's my ID, and I'm all like pissed off. And he goes, I knew it was you. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, you're a prop queen. I really, he was like, I, I did you because I wanted to make sure I was right. But yeah, that <laughs> is you. I go, okay, I have to admit, I was really irritated that you asked for my ID because I'm almost 30 and this is embarrassing that you didn't ID my friends. He goes, I'm so sorry. I really just wanted to make sure it was you. So now whenever someone asks for my ID, I can't look pissed off because it might actually be for a nice reason. <laughs> There you go. I, I think that's pretty good. Plus, I also feel like at some point you'll you'll get to the point where you get ID'd. Like if you're like me in your mid 30s and you get ID'd, you're like, thank you. That that's really nice. Like I feel like I've aged quite it's a bit. Mom until she was about 40, I feel that way. Because we just look young. And I just I don't mind if you're IDing everybody. It's when you're selected from the crowd as the sole idea. 
Yes, you want to be a little bit more consistent. I, I I completely agree with that logic. Ariel, appreciate your time. Best of luck with all your bets and all of your work in the second half. It's been so fun following your work and all your content. Make sure you guys are following her across all her different social media platforms at Ariel Epstein. And best of luck. Hopefully we'll do this again soon. Thanks so much, Ben. I hope so too. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.